welcome to episode 84 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I am your well, your co-host, co-founder and CEO of Carrier's Edge, Jane Jazrawi, and with me as always is... The much less excited and energetic Mark Morell. Yeah, well, you don't talk on the radio all that much. I've started to get my radio voice. You're definitely getting your radio yeah, voice. Yeah, and it's easier to come by. I also want to start calling the episode something other than the numbers. I was thinking this one could be Larry. Larry. Yeah. Episode Larry of the Carrier's Edge podcast. Is it the Larry or <laughs> the one with Larry? The one with Larry. <laughs> Theme like that or is it just Larry? Just Larry. Welcome to Larry. <laughs> Welcome to Larry. Horace could Horace. be our next That's one. That's the next one. Okay. Yeah. These are some fine names you're coming up with. There. I know. They're just in my head. It's like I read a book from the 1800s or something. Yeah. Anyway, we have just, well, we haven't just, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we have our top 20, our best fleets top 20, which we can't tell you because we haven't announced it yet. And this podcast will be out before the announcement. So yeah, stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Coming next week or depending on when you listen to this, maybe tomorrow. But we do have new faces mm -hmm. on the uh on the top 20. We, yes, as we said in our hints, we welcome three new people, mm -hmm. although they're not all new. I wanted to get very cagey with that hint and say we have three new people that aren't really new, but they're all pretty new in lots of different ways. And uh, what's the logos one? Uh, the, the logo colors of the top 20 are, can all be found in a crayon box. A basic box of crayons, yes. yes. The basic eight pack of Crayola. We'll have all of the colors and the logos. How about an extra one? The top 20 will include logos that are colored red. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's, there's only, I don't know, 80% of fleets out there with red in their logo. That always cracks me up. Is you're always told, don't use red in a logo. Don't use red in your branding. Unless you're in trucking, then everybody uses red. Well, and you can see like all the tech companies and all enterprise always blue. Everybody mm -hmm. uses some variation of blue. Corporate right? blue. Yeah. And it, now that we're getting in trucking, we're getting more tech companies coming into shows and things. Blue, blue, blue. Oh like my God, the blue. Sea of blue. We had blue before anyone else. That was our color. Yeah. And now we have to go to white. Yeah. But then you see all of the tech companies that are blue, sea of blue, and all the trucking companies that are a sea of red. I know. Well, at least you know. You can tell by their colors. And then you have a few people, a few oddballs that are like purple or yellow or something like that in the, in their logos. But generally, tracking loves red for logos. Mm -hmm. So yes, there are fleets uh, on the top 20 that have red in their logos. So I would just like to mention that there is a good percent of the population that can't see the color of your logo if it's red. <laughs> That's part of why people say not to use it. Yeah, because anybody who's got red-green colorblindness, it's basically gray. You've made your logo gray. Hmm. And or I don't know what well, I, I'm pretty sure it's gray is that you just don't see a color at all. Yeah. Or it's a particular shade of gray where you think you can guess what the color is, which is how my father ended up with a pink suit. <laughs> well, there's a story. And he thought it was red. Hmm. Not that that's better. I mean, it was a, it was, he was, so this is in the eighties and he was in a, he had gone, I think he was in India or the Middle East or it was somewhere where he got, he got this like really expensive silk suit and he came back and it was like, and it was pink. <laughs> 
But normally he would get people to help him choose things because he couldn't see colors, but there was nobody with him at the time. And like I used to, he would also, he would always come up to me and say, you know, do these match, do these colors match? Because I can't tell. Or is this red? I think it's red, but I'm not sure. But he thought that it, it was a, he thought it was red. And uh, I don't think he ever wore that suit. <laughs> I would guess not. No. Although that really does beg the question, as you say, of is it better? Would it be better if it was actually red? Is a red suit better than a pink suit? Well, I have a red suit, but I don't know. I, I don't remember what people were wearing back then besides like really big shoulder pads. Or maybe he thought it was green. Hmm. Because green would have been... Again, is it better? It was a light green. It was a light pink. Like it was, like that's why it was problematic. It was kind of a dusty rose and it was, it was a really weird... Oh, it like looked like those pink uh, Cadillacs. Kind of, yeah. And And it was like not a great color. And I don't know why someone, well someone sold it to him. Yeah, because they had that suit to get rid of it. It was like, finally, a sucker. Or that material. They're just waiting for somebody who's colorblind to come along. Yeah. So the lesson is, if you have a red logo, people won't, a good portion of the people won't be able to see what that color is. And they may just think it's pink or green. Or they won't, they won't even know. They'll, yeah. they'll probably assume it's red or, you know, or make an educated guess because I think that's what happens. And it's men. It's a it, the color blindness is linked to the uh, XY chromosome. I think it's it's on the Y chromosome. So if you are a man and you have XY chromosomes, then it's on the Y. Hmm. Women very rarely have color blindness. I don't think it's impossible because sometimes you can have a Y, like you can have XXY. So sometimes women can actually have the Y chromosome stuck there. I'm going right back to my second year natural science class in university for that, which I took. I thought that was very cool. But anyway, it's attached to a Y chromosome that only men have. And so only men have colorblindness. I think it's like 10%. It might be less, Hmm. but it's something around there that, and if you have a male dominated workforce, then 10% of that workforce can't see. Yeah. Interesting. I always, well, this is the, the thing in when you're making content for people and you use color as a symbolic thing. Like I'm not talking about stop signs because stop signs are symbolic, but everybody knows it. And you can tell that something's a stop sign outside of the color. The color is going to tell you, obviously, but the octagonal, octagonal shape, the, um, the word stop is, is usually a clue. But there's other there's other indications. And the positioning on traffic lights is how you can tell whether you know what the light is. But when we do when we do design for courses, we don't use red really. Or if you're going to use red, then don't use it as a as a color that's important. Like you can use it as a I don't know a border or something like that. But that's one of the things that you know no red. Mm-hmm. Or try and stay away from red and green. Try and go towards the blue. And I think that might be why blue is a good corporate color because you know people can mostly see it and it doesn't really doesn't really mean anything. It's kind of a neutral mm. kind of color, mm. which is, I think, why we chose it. Uh, we chose it because people had said, stick with blues. And then we wanted some fanciness in there, so we did orange. But there's a lot of this, uh, you know, don't use red because it's, uh, it's anger and sort of agitation and that sort of thing. And blue is calming, so people tend to use those because it, it, it's a calming color. Uh, so we're like, all right, well, I guess we'll pick that for our colors. And it took us a bit to find the exact blue that we wanted. Uh, but uh, we've been with that ever since. And yeah, in the beginning, we were one of the only people using blue. Like some of the insurance people, like a lot of the... Uh, oh, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, the insurance guys had Marsh. blue. 
was blue. Yeah, uh, Palmer and uh, Gallagher, BFL, sort of the, a lot of the insurance partners that we worked with early on all have blue. Uh, and now all of the tech companies, now that uh, the tech industry has discovered trucking and sort of arrived en masse uh, to uh, sell their services, they're all blue as well. So uh, lots more blue in the logos at trade shows and events and sponsor lists and things like that. And I personally don't like pink. Mm. I really don't like pink. It's, I just don't like, there are certain shades of orange I don't like, pink I don't like. It's like, I like certain letters. So when, when we were naming our kids, I wanted to make sure that it was a consonant because I like consonants better than vowels. Mm. I like the way they look better. I like pointy better than round. Mm. So yeah, it's, I'm weird. All right. But yeah. Just so everybody knows that I'm going to have, that's why I like um, fonts are very, I think fonts are so fascinating. And a lot of people who are artistic do like fonts, like fonts are in calligraphy. I used to like it when I was a kid, not so much anymore, but um, like all of that neat stuff. It's It's so much fun to, when you're designing something online, like on a website or even in a course, the use of the font is, is very cool. Hmm. So anyway, we were talking about best fleets, so we should go back to that because <laughs> you look bored. I I love fonts. I love calligraphy. I cannot comprehend how people can spend the time doing that kind of handwriting fancy font stuff. And I'm always fascinated by designers that do font design. Like it's not like you're creating a design for one letter. You got to create like 75 items or something like that when you create a font. And I just, I'm not very good at doing the same thing over and over or doing variations on something over and over again. So I know having one design and then having to do like all the different variations. Uh, so now give us the ampersand that matches that font. Give us the exclamation point. Give us uh, an E uh, with an accent on it or you know, an umlaut or a circumflex or something like, oh my God, I don't know how I would come up with all of those different designs. Well, you wouldn't. That's not how you would do it because what you do, and I've never designed a font, but I've designed other things. And the easiest way is to kind of have a, it's like a palette. Like you choose the kinds of shapes that you're going to highlight. Yeah. You're solving a bunch of problems. Right. And using a set of rules to solve those problems. So you create the basic object types or the, yeah, I guess the, the basic shape elements, uh, whether they're rounded or straight or angled or whatever, and then you apply those rules to these different problems. Right. Yeah. But by number 30, I would be very tired of that and be wow. looking to move on to something else. Yeah. You're never, you've never been a, that you don't want to do that stuff. No. no. You are appreciative of it being presented to you. Yes. And we have other, for, and we were talking about this before, is that for every job that you despise, like not you specifically, Mark, but you, the general you, there is somebody who loves it. Yes. So, and we were very lucky to find Kat, who really <laughs> loves making logos exact. Yes. And variations <laughs> and all the variations exact and consistent. Yes. Because once we finish figuring out the best fleet scores, uh, well, this was happening before because we knew it was coming. But once we figure out the top 20, 
we have all the endless logo variations. And so we've got the people, we've got the basic logo, and then we've got for people that were on the list last year, they get a version that has two different years on it. Mm -hmm. And there's three different years. And then there's five consecutive and six consecutive and all of that. We've got 10 years. And for all of these, we have the rectangular logo and also a square version Mm -hmm. uh, for whatever stupid social media needs square logos. Uh, We have that one now. Ugh, Instagram. (laughs) That was, yeah. And it just, it's crazy because it just, it started with just the one logo and -hmm. then people started asking us for variations on that logo. Or they would start putting that logo in places where it really didn't work. Yeah. And then we were like, okay, we need to give you an all white version of it. We need to give you one that's all black or one where it's kind of transparent and outlined, but like part of it is in red. So we have all these different variations, rectangular and square. Because people were making them themselves and we were like, no, no, no. Please no. And then it was the Hall of Fame. Mm. And then there was a color change request to the Hall of Fame logo. And so there, there's two. And now we have two variations of the Hall of Fame for the people that are brand new in it and the people that are um, coming back. Yes. So if you've been in the Hall of Fame for multiple years, then now you have another one. Quebec has got a law. Last year, uh, we had to do a French version mm-hmm. um, because that we were that was requested by one of the top 20. So now we have a French version. And all of those same variations in French now. Yes. And so any anybody who's a Canadian fleet is going to get them because I don't want to wait for them to ask. You can just have them. Just take yeah. them. Like do like use them. Don't use them. I don't care. Like I just these are what you get. So one of the challenges uh, that we go through every year. Is Please, God, don't let them have a request a Spanish. We make all of these different logo variations and we end up with maybe 150, 200 different deliverables. But then we have to, after we know who the top 20 are, we've got to build each of their folders with the logos that are applicable to them. And so like everybody that's a top 20 gets the generic top 20 logo. Some of them just get that. Some of them will get a two year. Some of them will get a five year. Some of them, well, if they're in a hall of fame, they will get that, but then they also get the general logo. So we have to go through that and make sure it's accurate for every single one of the top 20. And this year, all of the hall of fame and fleets to watch also get a logo too. So there's a whole other batch of them for that. So yes, Kat uh, loves doing that kind of work, uh, which is and good. And has done a great job. Has done an excellent job They're on so that. much better than they have been. They're finally consistent and uh, they all sort of work together. Uh, but yeah, that's all getting ready. So the big announcement uh, is uh, coming at the end of this month, January 31st. So we've got uh, all of the logos ready. We've got the social media stuff ready. So it's movies, it's banner change. And on that topic of logos, the other type of logos which is also a major source of stress, is the top 20 logos. Oh my God, yes. And are we using the right logos? Because trucking, being an old industry, often has multiple logos. Yeah, and which version should we be using? Yeah, and some of them are nasty and some of them are nice. And, you know, you're trying to find, like you don't want to, you can't, we can't ask you for your logo. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's a bit of a hint. So then it becomes, okay, well, which logo is it? Is it the logo that looks like this or the logo that looks like this? And and we've used the wrong logo on the announcement before multiple times. Yeah, 
the Halver time, right? When they changed their logo. And FTC changed the color of their logo. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we didn't know. So now we have this whole process where everybody has to go and check the, you know, check the website. Like we never, when it was just you and me, we never, if we had somebody's logo, we never checked to see if it was updated. We assumed that. Good enough. Yeah. You know, we have the logo. What do you mean you've updated it? What do you mean it's a different color? What do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> Even though we have updated our logo and would rather that people don't use our old logo. So it's crazy. And things you don't know when you have never done this, like Mm -hmm. we've never, we don't know. We're making this up as we go along sometimes. And um, I, and so now, yeah, now it's like, okay, this looks like this could be the best possible logo for this company. We've also screwed up the names. (laughs) Yes. And so now we have a question, which is, what is your name? What name do you want to go by? And I think we're going to have to change that. Oh, no. Well, because they don't always pay attention. Mm. Like this is not an audience that pays a lot of attention to capitalization and spacing and things like that, commas and these periods. Yeah. So there's things in those answers where they've said, here's how we want to be uh, identified. And you're like, "Uh, are you You sure? sure? (laughs) Well, yeah, we had that issue with a plaque a couple of years ago where we put on there what they had said in that question. Yep. And then the person on stage was like, yeah, I don't like that. That's not what I want. He was the actual owner. And this year, there was one where the capitalization looked odd. I was like, yeah, I don't think so. So we had to actually hunt and discover that they use different capitalizations in different places. So, okay, well, what do they do when they're issuing a press release you know, versus when they're doing a graphic or something? So we found something and we have that in there in the press release. But yeah, it is a lot of sleuthing, <laughs> which is a, a word I love saying. So... There is, yeah. Trish has been learning when a lot. When you say that, it sounds like S-L-O-O-T-H. Even though I know it's S-L-E-U-T-H, the way you say it, it sounds like, like a bubblegum version of the word sleuth. Did I say it like sleuthing? Are you, are you trying to sound Austrian French? Austrian or something? <laughs> Investigation. How about that? No, sleuthing is fine. It's just the way you said it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, there we go. That's what Trish has been doing for the last uh, week and a half is double checking all of these things. Thank God for Trish who wants to do this stuff because it would, I think I would be, I would be dead. Oh, well, it's stuff that, yeah, you and I have done and we end up with one version of the logos that you put into social media images and a different version that I have on the website and stuff like that. So. Or or Central Oregon Truck Company being in Washington, Washington <laughs> State. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. As a result, we have a rule now. Yes, you must go and check this. And then when the plaques, are, well, I hope the TCA does this, when the plaques are done or when the proofs for the plaques are done, Marley would always send them to me so that we could all like double. And there's always corrections. Yep. Always. There's always some correction on the commas and periods. Well, no, sometimes the spelling, capital. Oh, yeah, it's, it's insane because you just. Yeah, so many of them. Well, we finally got to the point. I think it was yesterday or two days ago, we got to the point with Alex, one of our graphic designers, where it was, it had tipped and it was too much. And she was losing track of what group of logos goes where. And so the, like one of the Hall of Fame graphics had the fleets to watch in it or something like that. Oh yeah. Because it's so much, so many different logos and different combinations. Like this group goes in the top 20, this group goes in Hall of Fame, but another combination of them might go in the 10 year thing or some other thing that we're doing to highlight the history of the program or something. And then there's the disagreement about who has been in for how many years oh yeah like where we don't agree and then we have to go back and look at the 
the last version of the booklet. <laughs> see what we said last Go year. Go back through all of those notes to see who's a six year or an eight year. Yeah. Yeah. But it's all pretty much done. We're coming to the final. Yep. And now we've got the press release is finished. Uh, so I saw that that's uh, on the uh, the test uh, website so that we can see that and get it ready. I don't want to curse it by saying I think it's ready, but I think we are in good shape to be ready for the big day. I'm knocking on wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throwing salt over the shoulder. Don't walk under a ladder. Fingers crossed. All of that kind of stuff. Something will blow up. There's always something that goes wrong. And over the past week or week and a half, there's been a bunch of problems in when both Facebook and Twitter where they're not, their posts are failing. Uh, so things are, you go to post something and it spins for a bit and then just tells you that it failed. And so that's been a frustration. Uh, Facebook's, I think the meta business manager or whatever that part of their system for managing pages and things like that hasn't been posting reliably. So it looks like it's posted through that system, but then you go and actually look at the page and it's not there. So you have to go and post directly through like Facebook proper uh, onto the page. So we've learned that that's the situation because the hints weren't dropping the way they should have been. So we now know that for the announcement, we'll have to go and do it through the page, sort of the old way. And we're going to have people monitoring the page to make sure that it's there. And yeah. people posting, like some people are, when one person is posting it, then other people are going to say, yes, I confirm that it's there. I can see it. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, we've got what, six or seven people that are going to be doing different things on announcement day. Yes. On a big Zoom call as we go through. Yeah. It's 9 a.m. Yes. on the 31st, which I always feel like we're doing the Oscar announcements. You know, when they announce the Oscar nominations. I'm sure it's the same. Yeah. They have all of this crazy stuff and they can't announce anything in advance, but they have to have it ready to go right at the time. And it's early in the morning. They have to have the whole team together. Yeah. And you get freaked out. Like, should we send this through email? Should we, you know, can I post it on the internal server? Like, who gets to know about it? Who doesn't know about it? It's getting blah, mm-hmm. getting crazy. Yes. So that has been eating up the bulk of our time for the last, well, for all of January because you have this grind of, uh, of scoring. And then when you have the cor- scoring finished, you have your basically the one day to celebrate. You know, we finish all that scoring and I, I have this thing where I'm dry all the way through scoring. And so, you know, I don't drink it all after New Year's up until then. And then, okay, we have that. So we can have a, a bit of a celebration. And the idea is we have a celebratory drink, which tends to morph into other things, <laughs> <you> know, more... <laughs> multiple celebratory bottle yeah but then we're like okay and then you sort of go through that process and you have to sleep on it and like does it make sense and does that sort of jive you go through that sort of quality control of reviewing it and thinking about your own experiences and reviewing all of the data and all of that to make sure that nothing has gotten missed that nothing is weird there and then yeah you get that one night and probably you know the morning after where you're feeling good about it and you have that big sense of relief and then it's like all right, now we got the next pile of things. We got the announcement movies, we got the hints, we've got the website and press release and media stuff and things like that that have to be done. So we get moving on all of those other pieces and all of that builds up to the announcement. And then after the announcement, it's like, ah, for a day. And then it's like, (laughs) okay, now we got the results book and we got to do the the final reports for the people who order them and prep for the convention. And well, just so everybody who cares about this stuff knows we got a great cover for the booklet this year. Excellent. It's great because it's our 15th anniversary. Yes. The 15th anniversary of this program. So Jane had this idea to do. uh, Oh no, wait, are we going to say? Well, we can tell them what's, what, 
Yeah, give them a bit of an idea of what's on it. Okay. Yeah, it's a collage of pictures from past 15 years. It seems like it's not that nice, but it is. It's like, it's quite gorgeous because I didn't do it. Yeah. It's, you know, I've been doing the covers for a while and uh, it's really nice to be able to have someone who can, who can set aside, like who can actually spend the time to go through all of the pictures that we have and pick things out. And I was like, you know, it was weird because I was picking out some pictures and it was like, oh no, we need this person in there. And oh, we need this picture. And oh, I love this picture. And oh, we got to include so-and-so. And mm-hmm. so uh, we're going to have, the booklet is going to be a little bit bigger because there's going to be pictures on the inside as well. And, um, but also give you all that really good information. And so, yeah, I, yeah. I love the booklet. Every time we build it, it's like, oh, I love this thing. You know, really happy with it. Uh, We've got a lot of good information in here. And it's always a grind because it's tons of quality control on that as well to make sure everything is accurate. And we get it out there and, you know, great information. And then like two months later, I'm like, ugh, I'm so sick of this thing. Although I keep a copy of every single one of them. I have it on my bookshelf and I'll, I think I'll um, get Heather to post a picture of all the booklets. Yeah, all the different years. I think we did something like that on the 10th anniversary. Yeah, so now we have five more. And uh, yeah, it's just interesting to see the evolution of the of the, uh, of the the covers. That could be a collage too. Just all pictures of all the different covers together. That is in on the cover. Mm. And then it's a cover and a cover and a cover. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And That's... you include the current one in there. No. And it includes all of the others in it. <laughs> yes. The paradox of endless things. Yeah, there we go. Whew. So, so I'm going to use this as sort of a bit of a transition because we were talking about Best Fleets and the whole program, 15 years. And then before that, we we're talking about logos that have red in them. And I'm going to use this to transition to Herb Transport uh, and Tom Baylor, who is retiring at the end of this month. Uh, and so we give a shout out to Tom, who has been involved in the Best Fleets program ever since the beginning. One of few people in the industry that were involved in those in that first year that are still involved in the program. Is there anyone else? Um, Susan from FCC. Susan Hilkenkamp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, those are the only two that I can think of, because those are the only two companies that were involved in the first year that I think are still involved. And I may be forgetting somebody in which case I will feel very guilty. But even long timers like you know, Bison didn't uh, start in the program until the second year. So I think it's just Herb and FCC that were in there the first year and we're back involved again this year. Yeah, so Tom's retiring from Herb after many, many years heading up their safety programs and uh, very, very good fleet, great safety record, great programs there. Uh, and uh, so... Tom certainly will be missed. He's kind of a fixture in the industry mm-hmm. and uh, been very helpful, uh, certainly educational for us learning about the industry and sort of he's had really good insights on some things for the content side of things. Been helpful there. Oh, yeah. We have a we have a couple of photo shoots to, to thank Tom for. Yeah. And yeah. And always a good guy to hang out with at industry events, yes. uh, regular at safety events and conventions and things. And I'll, I think one of the things about Herb that I always remember is we go to this big convention, uh, not con- it's a truck show called Truck World in the GTA. And for a, uh, what, three or four years, we were, our booth was always across from Herb. Yeah. So it was, uh, you know. And we actually stole our booth design from them. Did we? Yeah, because they always brought in their own booth and they had like a really old truck and then they had sort of a back 
area that they'd set up, sort of a regular booth. And then they had their name on an oval uh, thing sticking up above it. So it was above the other booth. So you could see it from far away. And so I took that idea and we put our logo into an oval that is just above the top of the booth. So you can see it uh, from farther away. We don't have an old truck to bring in, but... No, we're not. But you know what? And I didn't... The last truck world, apparently people were actually allowed to get in the truck. Really? I know, because forever, no one was allowed to basically touch the trucks. Like, these these are vintage trucks. Yeah, it's like from the, I don't know, 30s or something like that. It's super old. Yeah, and so I was forever watching them kick kids off of it, (laughs) which was entertaining. When you're at a booth for four days, it's pretty boring. So you get the entertainment where you can. And um, yeah, so then I heard that people were allowed to actually get in the truck, which I was quite shocked by. Like regular people or just Tiffany? I don't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah, Tiffany can Tiffany can basically just ask really nicely and get whatever she wants. So that's just, it's a she has a skill. You know, I kind of forgotten about that about the the booth and how we'd been across from them for so long. So yeah, it's going to be different. It'll be very different without uh, Tom there at Herb. He's been a fixture there forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not leaving the industry. Right. So we will still see him at all these events. He'll just have a different shirt on. Yeah, which is weird. I feel like we should like just change companies and get a different shirt. <laughs> yep. But we're trapped. Yes, trapped. Well, that's not a very positive way to end the segment on Tom. We wish him well. Yes, we wish him well and glad you're not trapped. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Herb, uh, Herb did have uh, an event that uh, brought in a bunch of people and we were going to be going to it. But unfortunately, something came up that was kind of urgent that uh, we had to deal with and we were unable to attend. I'm kind of unhappy about that. I was really annoyed about that too. But uh, so this is how we make up for it. Yeah. Tom. Yes. Thanks for all your help. Thank you. You'll be missed at Herb, but I'm sure we'll see you. Yes, you'll definitely be missed. We'll just see you in a different context. Yep. And like I said to uh, to Dave when I said we, we were, you know, I charged my car just for you. Yes, we charged our car all the way uh, all the way up to the top. The hundred percent. We were like, we're going all the way for you, Tom. Yep. So now we just have to drive around the block a couple of times this weekend, I guess. Yeah, go for an extended journey and burn out the battery a bit. Yeah, because you're not supposed to have your car battery that full. No. Just for anyone who doesn't have an electric car, this is an electric car thing. Just because, like, you're not supposed to keep your phone charged forever. It's bad for the battery. Apparently, it's bad for your car battery, too. Yeah. It's better to let them sit around 75 or 80% and then go down and then charge them only up to that amount. Yeah. So, periodically, we crank it up to the full thing when we have an extended trip. And when you do that and the extended trip doesn't end up happening, yeah, you have to burn out that battery and then leave it at the lower level but I don't want to go anywhere anymore. Like, I mean, we're done now. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. We'll just drive up and down the highway for half an hour and crank up the heat and all that other stuff. Crank up the heat and the tunes. Like we'll just... All the things that burn out the battery. Yep. Yeah. So now, what else do we have to talk about? I think we're, I'm good. Oh, we've still got lots of time. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So we can talk about what else we're working on, which... I don't know. It's hard to even imagine. What else are we working on? Best Fleets is coming to the end. Uh, I am shifting back into redoing our website. So maybe not for the next episode, but the episode after that, we will have new site live, which is going to be very fancy. Oh, actually. 
Actually, I know what we can talk about. I have been kind of planning out all my radio segments that I'm going to be doing with both the Dave Nemo show and the Mark Willis show. So Dave Nemo's on in the mornings on Sirius XM 146. And Mark Willis does the does kind of news from two to five in the afternoon. And uh, so I'm going to be on once a month for various things, like sometimes it's Carrier's Edge, sometimes, well, Mark Willis is Best Fleet. So the top 20 are going to get spoken to about this, but uh, we're going to have four Best Fleets to each half hour every month, except for a couple so that I have a break. And then um, we're going to talk about things related to the news, but also related to the things that, that those fleets are particularly good at. But when um, I'm also doing a segment called Education Station with Jimmy Mack, which is a part of the Dave Nemo show, but he's he does it on Fridays. I think it's Fridays. And um, one of the things that we're talking about, like they've been talking a lot about schools and Mm -hmm. uh, and talking to different schools about their different, you know, how they approach teaching and how, you know, how do you deal with people who don't get it or different skill levels and things like that. And so I've been giving them some suggestions based on what I know about Best Fleets to talk about not only the schools, but the carriers, because the carriers are very much and especially now, like, yeah, I think two thirds of the carriers that we talk to in Best Fleets are doing some sort of education program. So they're either in the U.S., there's the veterans, the program that you can do for military vets where you can, they can get their CDL training paid through the Department of Veterans Affairs. Um, There's also the Department of Labor has a program. There's the 18 to 21 program in Canada. There is apprenticeship that people are still doing, even though it doesn't, I don't know what the, how apprenticeship is going as a thing, but there's also MELT, which is mandatory entry level training, which is different things in different provinces. So I I think it's going to be a really good opportunity to talk about what fleets are doing because you never it's never like a person who can get can get their CDL and just go work for a trucking company. For sure. That never happens. Right. And so the company either doesn't take new entrants mm-hmm. or they have a whole program about what they want to do. Like they how they want to educate those people so that they have the transition to go from like knowing how to operate the vehicle somewhat to being able to do the work properly. Because you can have a license, but that doesn't mean that you can be a driver. Right. And so that transition part I think is really, really important and how you train and how like what makes a good trainer for that and how do you how do you go through all of those steps. So I kind of want I think that's going to be an interesting area to kind of explore. Yeah, well, we were talking about that the other day about the other things that need to be thought about in training besides shifting gears and turning wheels mm-hmm. uh, and the, that rarely do get covered. Like the uh, ELDT in the US and MELT here doesn't really talk much about all of the other aspects of doing the job well. So what to expect when you go to a shipper, uh, what to expect when you show up for the first day at a carrier, um, you know, how to be safe, how to plan your trips, like all of that road safety, road security stuff that you have to think about when the truck isn't moving. All of those pieces, how you interact with shippers and and customers and all these other people that sort of all the customer service elements, the paperwork and the administrative bits of it. Even things like getting comfortable in a world with dash cams and ELDs and driver scorecards and all these other systems. 
no schools are talking about it. And I think a lot of finishing programs don't really think about it very much either. They really think about, can you back the truck up? Do you know how to manage your speed properly? Are you doing your lane changes? It's all about when the truck is moving. And that certainly is important. Absolutely needs to be covered. But there's a lot more to being successful in the job and a lot more to being sort of happy and productive in the job. And it needs to be covered for a really good finishing program. It needs to have all of that stuff. I think that one of the really important, the critical pieces, and this is for any company, is how do you communicate? How do you connect the dots between all of these different moving parts? Mm. And that is the art, I think. I think that is something that cannot be, like machines can't do this for you. Yeah. How you, and we struggle with this as well, is how do we move things from one place to the other so that everybody knows that needs to know and that communication piece also can be very overwhelming. And this is something that I've been dealing with in the last couple of weeks is just being overwhelmed by too much stuff coming at me. Too much communication of the wrong type. Of the wrong type of communication. Yes. It's like I don't. And, and it's like the thing that has been my downfall is notifications from different systems. And I'm just getting like ping, ping, ping. Like this is a regular ping because I'm I'm in everything. So I'm in all of these different systems over different departments. So I'm getting that, I'm getting them all. And it just became too much. So it kind of made me say to my direct teams that, nope, we've got to change this because I can't. I can't handle it. And I don't think that that's just a tech company thing or even the, the fact that we're remote. I think this happens in all kinds of companies where the in-between stuff, who's getting the communication? How is the communication happening? Is there a better way? Are the right people getting told what needs to happen? And that whole thing about technology, especially cameras, is, you know, how do you use cameras? How do you communicate with your drivers when you see something on the camera? Like, what is the camera used for in day-to-day life? Are we just messaging everybody? Well, it's funny because we do see people starting to talk about alert fatigue. You get so many different alerts on things that you don't pay attention. And just when you're saying that, I was also thinking that, uh, yeah, it's definitely not just within tech companies and certainly not just within in trucking companies, but I regularly talk to people that have hundreds of messages in their inbox and they go on about all the hundreds of unread messages they have. That would make me crazy. I oh, can't yeah. stand that. And a lot of it is stuff that they really don't need is just bad process leading to way too much of the wrong communication happening. Just because a system does it that way doesn't mean you have to do it. Yeah, because you, just because you might want to know something at some point doesn't need to mean that you need to be copied on all messages on the subject for all time. Yeah. And actually, this is one of the things that we watch for. And it's hard to really manage directly without micromanaging people. But I definitely notice that there are times when we have people that are here that really can't stay up to date on things and really sort of get lost and they don't work out. And then when we cut them, I go and I look in their mailbox and they've got 1200 items in their mailbox and they've maybe got four folders and there's hardly anything in them. And it's like, oh my God, it's no wonder it wasn't working out. You cannot manage your own communication. You cannot organize your time and make those decisions about what you should be involved in and what you shouldn't be involved in. And that is, yeah, that is just the kiss of death for people. So you have to be able to figure out how to manage that. And as a business, you have to build the right processes to keep people in the loop, but without bombarding them with too many things. As a manager, you've got to figure out where you need to be involved and where you need to step back and leave it for other people. And as an employee, you need to recognize that 
it's not okay for you to be bombarded by things and you need to say something and speak up when there's too much and recognize that it's not necessarily your failing if you're being overwhelmed by things. It's most likely a bad process. Yeah. And I think part of it is when companies grow, that's when it happens. Because for me, I had bad process, but my process wasn't bad before Christmas. It wasn't bad, yeah, a year ago when you had fewer people or five years ago when, you know, there was only a couple people. And maybe it was, but it wasn't a problem. Right. Right. And you couldn't have made a new process until you got to the point where the needs were really identified and understood. Well, I increased a lot, like my team increased. And then I basically, now I head up a group of graphic artists and I also head up a group of content developers. So, and I'm also involved in Best Fleets, which is marketing. And I'm also involved in the graphics. So I have graphics for- Plus you have to run the company periodically too. Well, I, I, I attempt. Yeah. And so that's kind of on my off time. And then I also have server, like a system enhancements that I'm kind of not really managing, but I'm kind of... You're the customer for those. Yeah. So I have to weigh in and it's just become unwieldy. But now it's because there's more people and these are like, I'm getting new people who need me and need my input and stuff like that. So it's not the fact that I don't think my process was bad before. I think I had fewer people. Mm -hmm. But now when you, when you grow and you start to need to reorganize, you start to need to go, okay, I can't do all of this. So what can I legitimately, like, can I ask people to do, like, do I need to do this? Is this really my thing? And are other people capable of doing it? And at some point, it is a process of letting go. And and mm-hmm. you have to do that because otherwise you're just going to work yourself into the, into the ground. And I think that in trucking companies, I think that people, people have a couple of different approaches. There's a definitely a big opportunity to develop drivers into people who can be, who can help with that. If you are a driver, then you probably know what other drivers think. So having um, a driver committee is a really good idea if you utilize it really well, because you can get a lot of input from a lot of different people who are on the road and that you may not get. And like just like for us, our frontline people, we don't directly talk to every day, but it's very important that we get the input from them because they see things that we don't see. So giving responsibility for certain things that maybe someone in the office used to do, like giving it to someone who's on the road to get up a different perspective, I think that's really good. That will basically will will give people time and it will allow someone to progress in their career and it will also give you more information. Mm -hmm. So I think all of those things, even though it's really hard to actually say, okay, I'm so busy, I'm so busy, but I need to make time to figure out what I shouldn't be doing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And it doesn't need to be, we were talking about, it doesn't need to be more bodies. Well, more bodies won't help. More bodies make the problem worse. If you don't solve the underlying process issue, more bodies just it means even more incorrect communication or even more endless notifications on things. You know, it, just, uh, it just aggravates the issue. You have to solve the underlying problem. Which I think is that, I think our underlying problem is that we need to grow. I mean, we, we always need like five more people than we have. Yeah. And I think it's because every stage that we're at, we can see where those next five people could be really useful and helpful. And then when we get them, it takes us to that next point where we're like, okay, I see where those next five people could be. Yeah. <laughs> So now it's very clear we need more people in marketing because, you know, I'm holding on to too much. There's too many things that sit with me. You need translators. There's a platform could use a few people here and there. Uh, And once we get those people in place, 
you know, by the time they're ramped up, we'll be like, okay, now I see what else we need. We see what the next things are. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that never ends. So going back to the radio, I think that... How did we get here from the radio? Well, I was talking about people, like talking about how people get trained. Oh, yes. And the sort of building out trainers and making sure that people know their processes and their jobs. One of the things that I like when I hear it, uh, when we're talking to fleets during Best Fleets, is the um, the process of bringing people back into the into the terminal just to kind of do a orientation part two. Mm, yes. Where you kind of, you figure out, okay, what are your questions? What don't you know? Where are your gaps? Do you know, like, what are the top three things that are bugging you? And then that you kind of do the, you know, I don't know how to use my ELD. I don't know how to make a correction to my settlements. I don't know how to tell my dispatcher that I need to be home. So that doing that second, you know, come on in again in two weeks or a month or something like that and kind of go, okay, how are we doing? Or even doing a road test or not a road test, but just like a drive, a ride along and just seeing, you know, are you okay with all of this equipment? Do you know how to use these things? Do you know what to do when you're at a way station and you need to give, give the uh, enforcement a copy of your ELD? Mm-hmm. How is, do you know that process? Do you know, like just go through some basic processes that if you don't understand can be a real problem down the line. But if you kind of just do a check in, then and not just a check on a check in that makes it the driver's responsibility to figure out what they don't know. Yeah. But actually a check in where it's your responsibility to say, OK, Hopefully this is these are the things that are the most common problems that we see or these are the things that are are mission critical to us. Let's let's go through and make sure you're good with it. Hmm. Yeah, I like that idea of of these scenarios. Like you've got the basics and you come in for like part 2 which is like advanced orientation. And what would you do in this situation? What would you do in that situation? And throw those things out there. And maybe that would be really good to do in a ride along. So let's talk about it. And okay, uh, how would you handle it? And kind of work through it that way. Good idea. We kind of do that, but we don't do it officially because we throw people into, we have this incredible amount of filing systems. So you can imagine all of these logos. There's an incredible amount of organization that has to go around those logos. Because first you've got the illustrator files that are where you get the logos created. But then you have to export those logos into various folders. And then you have to give those folders to various companies. There's tons of work. And that's that's just logos. Yep. Every single course that we have, we have folders, but then we have audio, we have, and then we have the original audio, then we have the audio that we put in the course, which is generally smaller. We do a check of the audio to make sure that it matches what we want to say. And then we export it to a smaller file so that you're not downloading, like people aren't downloading stuff. So there's that. There's also the images that are the original images done in Illustrator and Photoshop and the movies, the original versions of the movies, and then the exported version of the movies. And then any of the raw documents. So the storyboards, the translations are all in different fold. Like it's like every single course has its own little ecosystem of files. So that organization is so overwhelming to a new person. 
Mm. so overwhelming. And so when someone starts, you can't say, okay, all of these things go in box. All of these things are in Slack. All of these things you do in email, all of these things, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and yes. And track your time in Jira and blah, 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 blah. You have to go back and say, okay, do you know where things go? How is it going? Are you feeling okay? I know you're overwhelmed, but it's going to be okay. Well, you know, just tell me, you know, like, just make sure you know how to do this. You know how to do this. Okay, we're good. So I think that that's a, it's a valuable step in bringing someone on board so that they feel good about being here. And we do that like the 30 day check-ins as well. Yeah. The multi-step onboarding. Yeah. Yeah. Because you cannot onboard someone now into Carrier's Edge without taking them through 50 systems. Yeah. It's a month. Yeah. Month for everybody to get ramped up. That's not even talking about Carrier's Edge. Yeah. Like I'm not even talking, this is all the stuff that we do outside of the system. We haven't even started building a course yet. Yeah. For you. But yeah. So other people get into the system quicker, but it's still, it's a good month to get people ramped up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And it, uh, yeah, it does make sense sort of that process and tying it into the way uh, finishing programs work and the way fleets do that with their drivers. Yeah, definitely. I think that is a very good place to stop. Sounds like a plan to me. All right. Happy Larry. Was it Larry? Yeah, Larry was the... Uh, what was the other one? A uh, Horace. I want to say Hogarth, but no, it wasn't that. Yeah, Horace. Okay, no, yeah, but so it's... No, uh, next one is Horace. This thank is you for listening to Larry. Thank you for listening to the Larry. And have a great day. Have a great day. 